0: Good morning. Uh, I'm Van, the lead pastor. Glad that you are here. Uh, hey, how about that thunderstorm last night? Yeah. Well, you like that? That's great. <laughs> Running for your life. Uh, but that's uh, yeah. It uh, delayed the Husky game. Uh, and then they lost because of that. They would have won otherwise. I just wanted to. That's my professional sports commentary uh, for the day. Well, uh, if you're new around here, we are kicking off a new series called "The Better Us. In the month of September, we always focus on relationships. This one will be a little more on marriage and dating, although we'll uh, really go across the spectrum, applicable to broader family, uh, work, you name it, parenting. Uh, and it's one of those great opportunities. As so I was thinking about the, the relationships that are uh, love and marriage in particular. I was thinking about some of the songs that, uh, that are on the radio or that we uh, have downloaded on our, our device. And, but before I get into that, I just want to know like what kind of music you're into. So how many of you would say, I'm more like, you know, pop, top, and you're going to be in multiple categories, some of you. Pop Top 40, you listen to that, go ahead and raise your hand if you're there, okay? Well, oh, evidently no one listens to that, but they stay on the radio, that's great. Uh, how, about, uh, how about like uh, old school, or like rock, or like even old school rock? Whoa, a lot of you, hey, that's great, hair bands from the 80s, glad you're here. Uh Hip-hop, R&B, funk, any of you of us? Okay, yeah, we had a lot. We had more people in the last service like that. Um, And then I have to admit that I went through a conversion experience about six years ago. Uh, Now, some of you are concerned because I've been a pastor for 30 years, uh, but uh, it's not a conversion of faith. It had to do with music. So there had been a type of music that I really had never listened to, Quite honestly, I made fun of. I made fun of the people who listened to this kind of music. And now it's almost all the music I listen to. So there's going to be a little bit of a 12 step group for a moment. Hi, I'm Ben. Hi, Ben. And I listen to country music. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hee-haw, okay, that's great. Uh, Glad there's a few of us uh, here today. And so as I was listening to, I was looking at my uh, playlist, and these are newer songs if you're like old Merle Haggard, there's probably not going to be those. Uh, But uh, uh, one of them, and the progression that it goes relationally, one song, Craving You, I mean, that's pretty, woo-hoo, Greatest Love Story, you got to like that. Uh, beautiful, crazy, for Luke Combs fans, Uh, die a happy man. And it's sort of like this, great, but then things start to turn south a little bit. Hard to love, crash and burn, you look like I need a drink. (laughs) And then you ain't worth the whiskey. (laughs) Okay, so what happens, how do we go from greatest love story to, you look like I need a drink? How does that happen relationally? It it happens more often than we think, and it doesn't need to happen. I mean, how many, just think about uh, families who are estranged, business partnerships, employee-employer relationships, let, let alone marriage relationships. They say about half end in divorce. Uh, and by the way, the other half, it's not like they're all perfect. Some of them are, some of you are just staying together as punishment to your spouse for all they've done to you. And so, so how do we go? Evidently, that struck a chord. That's great. Uh, so, uh, how do we go from greatest love story to you ain't worth the whiskey, baby? And something happens along the way there. And I think it starts, I think it starts with us moving away from really true wisdom, which I would say is God's wisdom, to, uh, to something else. See, there are narratives that are being told, especially in our society. A society, uh, we're doing worse with relationships than ever in the history of our country, but yet people are speaking with more authority on their way. Yet God has a different way. And so, you may not be a Christ follower, but I, I want you to consider something that's powerful wisdom that works, and maybe the God who created that wisdom along the way. James 1.5, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Again, a distinction in Christianity, especially Christianity and uh, uh, some, some of the different religions will find, uh, where, where it's about searching and seeking and finding that path. And, and that's almost every religion in the world. And you may have been raised that way, and, and that's okay, but, but you're, if you look into it, it's about you have to really seek, and maybe you'll find wisdom. Christianity is the opposite. It's not like… Uh, Christianity is not a luck-of-the-draw kind of religion. It's not a luck-of-the-draw kind of faith. It's not like, well, if you're raised in the right family, that that somehow… No, it's that God will seek you. God God will seek you. He wants wants you to come to know Him and and have a relationship with Him and find His wisdom. So, if we make that choice, or maybe you're considering that choice, we still have this, this problem. Have you ever had someone say, man, I just don't get you? Or you say to someone else, "Man, I, I just don't get you." Have you ever thought that or felt that? No. Evidently, everyone's single here today. So the uh, no, because we all have felt that way, and and what happens is there's there's some reasons behind that. One is simply gender differences. Uh, there's now now. I'm for, I love the fact that we live in a society where both women and, and men can, can excel and achieve, and I think that's a, a wonderful. But we're not the same, uh, even, even though our society has progressed, I think in many positive ways. Uh, and, and you know this to be true. Uh, well, I know this to be true. For, I'll just go my marriage. We'll, just, we'll use me as a guinea pig. So when my m- wife, she asked me, hey, Ben, what are you thinking? And I say, nothing. Do you know what I'm thinking? zip, nada, nothing. And some of you are wondering, well, I really wonder what he thinks. Not much. That's really what, you know. But I know when I say to at least my wife, and this may not be true for you, for your girlfriend, as uh, I say, hey, what are you thinking? And she says, nothing. Do you know what that means? The wrath of God is going to come down upon me. That's what that means. Uh, it's just like, too, when I sigh, when I go, ah, you know that means? That means everything is right in the world. That means the Seahawks are winning. That means everything. When my wife goes, ah, you know what that means? It means I'm sleeping in the spare room. That's what that means. <laughs> and so there's sort of, there's differences, and, and, and that's great. God created us different, and it's all part of His grand design. Another reality is this, and this one may be a little hard, harder to grasp, is stories unfold over time. That, that your story, it, oftentimes here's what happens, especially conflict. We're like, well, this is what happened in this moment. You said this. You did this. This moment. But there's never any, um, especially major issues, they're never about a moment. They're not even about the preceding hour. They, for, they unfold over time. No matter how long you've, uh, even if it's a family member, you haven't been with them the entire time, you don't know the completeness of their story, what's going on in their heart. And so, because of our lack of understanding, we make assumptions, and that's not often very good. So, uh, we also have unique temperaments, and you would say that too. you, You know, some of us are more unique than others, right? Uh, there's, there's a people who, like you're a take-on-the-day person. Like you, you, you got up at 5 o'clock this morning. <laughs> Not at this service. None of you got up at 5 o'clock. But, uh, uh, <laughs> in fact, some of you are. Yeah, I'm glad you got dressed. That's awesome. So the, uh, but I'm just talking about the people at the earlier services. They, you, they, so they get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and they're like, hey, I'm going to go for a run. It's nice and cool today. And then they go for a run, and they come back, and they make coffee, and they read their Bible, and they pray. And then they're like, hey, it would be great. And they make breakfast for the family. We all know these kind of people because we all hate them, right? <laughs> uh, and, so, uh, and then there's others of us who are a little more slow-moving. In fact, uh, what I will do, uh, especially as it gets to the darker uh, months in the winter, I will will set my coffee pot. I like espresso, but I'll do the coffee pot on a timer. And so what will happen is the coffee will brew, and I will smell the coffee, and it will entice me down the stairs. (laughs) And I will drink that cup of coffee, and I sort of ease in. I sort of let the day come to me and uh and i know people say well shouldn't you read your bible first and spend time with god let me tell you god doesn't want to spend a lot of time with me till i have a little caffeine in my stream bloodstream yeah it's, so we're different and then we have different motivations this is this is a challenge and this is uh, also something to be aware of on how you approach this uh, Is it good to try to understand motivations but please don't judge them uh, we do that in, in relationships and in society all the time, judge motivations. doesn't produce anything good. But if we understand that, that's different. There's been a bunch of uh, test personality kind of tests, and you've probably taken these before the myers Briggs discs, strength finders um, and they'll use them uh, counselors will use them employers will use them They're they're, they're tests that we use to understand uh, people, obviously in a much broader context. One of the newer ones is called the Enneagram and the Enneagram, I like it because it not only uh, tests the uh, the, the the temperament, but also looks at some of the core motivations. In fact, I send out a Pastor Ben email. You may have got it in, uh, you may have not read it, but actually a lot of you did. There was a good open rate on it. Uh, But then there was a test, which fewer of you. How many of you have ever taken or heard of the Enneagram? Have you? Okay, actually, good. You're, you're the spiritual people here. <laughs> the, uh, the, not a, a, it's not spirituality. It's just an understanding. So, I want to go through these just so you can identify where you're at, and then uh, maybe even someone in relationship with you. Uh, if you've ever read uh, an older book now, Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he says, seek first to understand and not be understood. By the way, he didn't come up with that. That actually is dated back to St. Francis of Assisi. So, we have these nine types, and they're really nine versions of normal. Number one is a moral perfectionist. They're rational, idealistic, principled, purposeful, self-controlled, perfectionistic. These are the people who want to get things right all the time. And if they don't get things right and things aren't right, it sort of drives you crazy. You're the ones who want to get it perfect. Uh, And by the way, I am married to a type one, prayers would be appreciated. <laughs> so, uh, uh, type two is the supportive advisor. Uh, they're caring, interpersonal, demonstrative, generous, people-pleasing. Be a little possessive. Now, if this is you, you're the type of person who, when someone throws a party, uh, you stay and help clean up everything. You're just like, these are wonderful people to have in your sphere of your life. And then uh, type three is the successful achiever. Uh, this success-oriented, pragmatic, adaptive, excelling, driven, image conscious. These are the people, man, they succeed in life. And by the way, you don't need to ask them about their success because they have posted it all over Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, they're, you know, they're telling you, and they're good people. They achieve a lot, and they will let you know. So, anyway, uh, number four is a romantic individualist. This, this person is great. They're sort of the dreamers, withdrawn, uh, sensitive, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, can be a little temperamental. I did not come up with that, but that's what the test did. No, type five is the investigative thinker. It, it's interesting. You know, we have obviously a ton of people who go to our campuses who work in the tech industry. We also have… a. Uh, number of professionals, people work different jobs, but a lot of educators, people work at universities uh, in the area. Uh, one, of, one of the people who's, he's a dean at one of the universities, uh, he was saying this is the type he is. I talked to him Saturday night after the service. Uh, in the investigative thinker, intense, cerebral, perceptive, innovative, secretive, isolated. If you work with someone like this, they're the person who's not a great collaborator, but they come back with a really good idea. Uh, type six is a loyal guardian. Uh, committed, security-driven, engaging, responsible, but also can be a little anxious and suspicious. They're, they're really, they want to make sure uh, that things are going uh, well. Type seven is the entertaining optimist. They are busy, fun-loving, spontaneous, versatile, distractible, scattered. You, you know these people because they usually say the words, look at me. Yeah, that's them, and they, they will invite everyone to a party, and there will be like, when they throw a party, everybody shows up, but you always run out of food. That's sort of who they are. Uh, type eight is the protective challenger, powerful, dominating, self-confident, decisive, willful, confrontational. But you want, you want to understand, these people are confrontational, but they are because they're really trying to do uh, the right thing, these people are, are are very kind on the inside and decisive and, and prayerful actually it's said that this is the best of the nine types that there are <laughs> in, the, in the Enneagram and, and, and in fact, uh, I believe Jesus was probably uh, <laughs> type eight. <laughs> and so am I, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so as, I was, as I was reading the Type 8, it was great, because it, it, said, it said things like people who would be a Type 8, not all of the types have this, it is uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Type 8, and I'm like, I'm a winner, <laughs> and Osama Bin Laden. Okay, I don't feel so good about that one, so uh, it can go in different directions uh type nine the peaceful mediator easygoing self-effacing receptive reassuring agreeable complacent this type of person uh, we we did this we brought our staff from our various campuses around and we sort of looked at how we can operate even better understand each other And and this one of the people said hey I just want us to be in alignment and this is a person who really cares about the team the family uh the the marriage so as we understand that we have these different motivations, these different temperaments, how do we proceed? Well, I think it's very important that we proceed uh, with wisdom. And so words to the wise, great place to turn is proverbs. Uh, proverbs 12:18 says, "The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing." And then uh, in Proverbs 17:22, uh, it says, "A cheerful heart is good medicine but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And and it often has to do with how we engage one another. So how do we engage? How do we seek to understand more than be understood? Proverbs 14, 8, it says, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thoughts to their ways. And so uh, during these uh, these weeks, we're only going to go for about four weeks in this series. I hope you'll make every one because they really do build on each other. Uh, How do we get a better us through better understanding? That's what I want to consider. Number one is commit to a shame-free discovery. There's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is we did something wrong, we feel guilty about it. That's actually good. It shows we have a conscience. It shows we're not a sociopath. shows we're not narcissistic, that that we really understand where we failed and we need forgiveness. Shame, though, is much different. Shame says not only did you do something bad, you are bad, and it's a value Uh, judgment. And Jesus doesn't approach us that way. Maybe you're not a Jesus person, you you haven't connected, or maybe in a religious environment you were taught that it's all about shame. Uh, John 15, 12, it says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So, that begs the question, how has Jesus loved us? Well, Jesus sees who we are. He sees the good and the bad. He doesn't deny either. He sees our sin, and He said, that needs to be dealt with. A price needs to be paid. And He said, but I will pay the price. See, Jesus is very realistic but always redemptive. And so, if I'm going to love like Jesus loved, I'm going to be realistic and redemptive at the same time. In Philippians, we're told this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others in your relationships with one another have. Now, it's sort of interesting, by the way, just if you read Philippians 2, 50-cent, uh, you know, theological term, Christology, which is the study of the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. Uh, the, we find it in the older Hebrew Scriptures, always pointing to a Messiah. And so, what is this Christ Savior like? Well, it's Jesus. We know that. And so, it tells us a lot in Philippians chapter 2, but it's interesting, we learn a lot about Jesus, but the context is, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Number two, we need to, to be aware of your own default settings. We all have a default, and honestly, sometimes we're not very aware of it. I, I worked with someone whose uh, uh, father was an alcoholic, uh, died when he, he was a young age, and a uh, it, it, tragic story, but you ever tried to talk to the person around it, and he would uh, say, yeah, that didn't bother me. I didn't need a dad growing up. And he would say it like that, and everyone's looking like, hey, eh, you sort of did, you know. Uh, and, and it's funny because it was obvious to everyone but not to him. And this is someone who's very successful, but just radically unaware of the deficit that had really had caused strains and probably still does to this day. You, you know this if you're this kind of person, because when someone talks to you, you go, I know, I know, I know. And, and, and I know we've all said that. I've, I have certainly. And when you say, I know, I know, I know, what you're basically saying is, I want to shut down conversation, and I don't want to ha- talk about this. And, and, and I get that impulse. That's not an impulse of growth in learning or humility. Now, sometimes it's because someone's belittled or berated you, and you do that. So, so how about a different way? And we're going to learn these tools not only during the series, but also uh, during some of the midweek opportunities. What if you said, like for example, uh, your spouse says, uh, "You go, hey." Uh, I hear what you're saying is I come home late, and you got off work early so we could be home together. And so, what I want to say is I'm sorry, and I do understand the effort that you've made and the impact that it's had, and and, and I want to work this out. Do you see how that's a lot different than I know, I know, I know? One, because otherwise what happens, uh, Any of? uh, well, I'll just say this. I won't have you answer the second question. Any of you have been married 20 years or more? Okay, a number of you. And I won't have you raise your hand. Please don't, because it'll be a bad night for you if you do. But uh, how many of you have had that same argument for about 20 years? Yeah, you're laughing because you have. And what happened is we'll, we'll settle for the conflict instead of the compromise and the resolution. And so, what I'm just saying is, do you want progress? You want a better us? It comes through better understanding of yourself and others. James 1.19, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why did James write that? Is it was because they were all peaceful, good listeners? No, it's because they weren't. It's because they were unaware of the conflict that was arising due to their own actions. Well, what about those places where we fail and i know some of you don't believe in sin that's okay sin believes in you <laughs> we all sin uh here here and fall short of the glory of god the bible says and it says in first john 1 uh, 10 if we have if we claim we have not sinned we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us the question isn't do you sin do you fail the question is where are you going for forgiveness the question is are you going to continue in that path are you going to say lord just like King David, by the way, after he committed murder and adultery, you know, right, and and in a sense, you might even say treason. Murder, adultery, treason. Sort of big sins, right? But he says, Lord, create a clean heart in me. Renew a right spirit in me. And you know what the history of the Bible says? God did that because He was humble. That leads to number three, don't pay forward your broken past. See, we all have a past that informs us. Again, as I said, you never meet someone in a moment. You may be married 29 years, but there's part of the history where you were not involved. You, you're you're uh, dating uh, right now, and I know you don't see any broken past because you're, uh, you're in the first stage of uh, of a relationship, which we call delusion, which is a wonderful… No, it's a, Actually, we call it romance. But the, there, there's… We'll, we'll talk… By the way, next week I'm talking about the five stages um, or seasons of any relationship, and not like, you know, like, okay, if your first five years, ten years. It's way different than that, because you can go through them real quick or real slow, and how to navigate and not get stuck. Because I know some of you have been stuck Uh, for a long period of time so so what will happen is you're gonna face some reality along the way and that reality can be a good one or a bad one maybe it's a reality from your past Um, i've shared before my mom i love my mom and dad i think they really loved me they had relational issues. Mom married eight times, dad married four times. Not every kid a product of a marriage. And I just praise the Lord that there was no Jerry Springer back in those days, because otherwise we would have been front and center on it, and you'd be watching it on YouTube. So, uh, but, so I know that, and, and though I respect parts of the past, I just knew I couldn't pay forward that. So I went to counseling, I got Christian friends, and I said, hey, I, I don't, there's going to be some residue but I don't want that to define my relationship. And, and when have you been that honest? Who have, you, have you been honest with God and yourself and a close, a close friend? James 3.13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show up by their good deeds done in the what? Oh, you don't like that word very much. I'll try again. <laughs> done in the humility. Yeah. The Bible says that God opposes the proud and lifts up the humble. You can be a prideful person. You just can't be a prideful person and have great relationships. You might feel good about it, but no one else does. Humility says, yeah, I understand the good, who I am. I'm created in the image of God. The most powerful truth you can understand is that you are an image bearer of God. It changes everything. But I also have some brokenness. That comes from wisdom. Number four, commit to biblical directives. Because otherwise, we can just live in this feel good moment. Okay, I understand who I am. That's sort of cool. I understand who you are. That's sort of weird. And we sort of end right there. Instead of saying, okay, what does God want me to do? Progress always includes action. When you come to Jesus, by, by the way, you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord and I believe that you have a relationship with God, and that is powerful. You have a home in heaven. It doesn't mean your life is going to reflect uh, what it says in John ten ten, where Jesus says, I've come that you have life. You might have life and have it to its fullest. That comes through obedience. That comes through following God. You don't earn a relationship with God, but you receive the fruits of living that way. So, the question is, uh, relationally, am I receiving the fruits? And if not, uh, I know it's easy. I love blaming other people. Isn't that so convenient? But instead, what if I look at myself? James 1.22 says this, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And so, as I was thinking about that, I was looking at the uh, over a hundred uh, one another's in the Bible. Because relationally, you ever wonder how to operate Uh, there's these commands that are all in the imperative tense, which means they're not suggestions or good ideas. It says if you do this, so what are we told in the Bible? We're to forgive one another, submit to one another, be patient with one another, be humble in love, do not grumble towards one another, be at peace with one another, be kind to one another, encourage one another carry one another's burdens. You know, that doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen by accident. It happens through the discipline of number five, put in the work for your preferred future. A- am I willing to, to take steps? We'll put a lot of time into our careers, maybe into uh, our physicality, and, and we get certain results. But your relationships, you think about that, It'll affect your health. It'll affect your finances. It'll affect everything. But oftentimes, we're not willing to to take the step. We just hope it comes that we learn it, uh, you know, sort of through osmosis. And so, what I'm going to do is I want to very practically encourage you to take some steps today. Uh, The first thing is, you know, that email is one is understanding. That email I sent you, and it had a link to the Enneagram uh, uh, test, you'll find it somewhere in your deleted files is I want you to go to your deleted files, and I want you to take that. And, just, and maybe if you're married or dating, uh, or maybe even with your kids, you, you take that and just say, okay, huh, is this true of me? You don't have to agree with it, but it's a path towards self-understanding. Uh, and, and then uh, secondly, d- don't go through this alone. I'm a big believer in counseling if you have problems. I just know it's never enough. You always need community beyond that. Today we have, uh, we start our signups for groups, Uh, and it doesn't have to be a marriage group. Uh, It could be uh, a support group. It could be Bible study. We have divorce care, grief share, uh, blended families, parents of uh, kids on the spectrum. You name the groups, all sorts of men's, women's, but you would say, okay, I'm going to, in this season, connect with some people, in Proverbs 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And you want to be sharp in your faith, in your life, in your relationships. It's a proximity. In fact, Psalm 1, if you ever, I'm preaching through the old Bible today, but the, uh, 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 Psalm 1, if you get there, uh, if you read those first, first few verses, it talks about proximity of relationships determines your spiritual growth trajectory. Uh, there's also re engage. Uh, and we have this on this campus and our Duval campus. We have about six, seven hundred people go through it. If you say, hey, we're, we're newly married, great. Or you just want to say, hey, we want to go to the next level or be ready for the next season. Uh, some of you might say, hey, we, we, we have a little work to do. Uh, we have seen God do miracles through reengage. And I encourage you uh, not only will you make friends, people tend to make friends for life when they go through that. Uh, but you will grow spiritually and relationally. The final thing is one that we can't count or you can't sign up for. It's where you say, Jesus, I'm available in this season. I encourage you, uh, next four weeks you spend time with God, you'd make an effort to be here. Because here's a promise of Scripture, but wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, fully mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.